Hello, this is Terry Cheek. I want to thank you for choosing our broadcast, and my prayer is that it will be an encouragement to your walk with the Lord. Comments or questions can be directed to me via the link on our sermon audio page. Now, on to your selection. We're going to continue our look into the book of Revelation and into the seven churches. And this morning, we're going to take a look at the church of Sardis. The church in Sardis was a, was a literal group of people, literal congregation, and they, they had a very good outward appearance. We're going to find that when we read God's Word. Three, chapter three, verse one. Revelation chapter three and verse one. The people in Sardis and the church in Sardis they had a very good reputation. A very good reputation. But they had a very poor character. And we're going to see in God's Word exactly what that means. And we're going to see from it this morning another picture similar to what we saw last week in Thyatira. Where in Thyatira, the Lord said that He knew their works and he knew their patience, and he knew their love, and he knew all of these things about them, but they had a spirit of Jezebel that was going on inside of their church. And Sardis has got close to that same thing going on. Let's go to God's Word, and let's see what it says about Sardis. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast the name that thou livest, and art dead. Be watchful, and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore now, thou hast received what thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garment. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Well, when the Lord opens up, he's very specific. He gets right to the point. He said, These things say he that has the seven spirits of God. The seven spirits of God was mentioned back at the very in chapter 1 of Revelation. And it is the complete work of the Holy Spirit. Over in the book of Isaiah, we understand and we get more specific information from Isaiah on what that seven spirits of the Holy, or seven works of the Holy Spirit are. But for the sake of what Jesus is saying here, He is talking about the complete work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is letting the folks in Sardis, the church in Sardis know, and letting us know, that the Holy Spirit knows our heart. The Holy Spirit knows who we are, and the Holy Spirit knows 
what our intentions, our thoughts, and our closest and deepest feelings are. We can have good works on the outside, but we can approach those good works with a bad heart. In other words, we can do things simply because we know that's what we should do. We know it looks good to other people. And we can do them for that reason. But deep down inside, we don't really want to be doing that. We don't really want to be doing the acts of love and kindness and generosity, but we are. We're doing them for the wrong reasons. That's what he's saying is happening at Sardis. He says, I know your works, that you have a name, that you live, or that you are alive, that you're vibrant. He says, I know you have that reputation. But he also says, and art, and are dead. <coughs> spiritually dead. Sardis was a spiritually dead church. Now, that didn't begin and end with Sardis. That's very prevalent today. There is a danger in the life of a Christian that we can become so caught up in works, that we can be so caught up in things going on and doing the right thing because it's perceived as the right thing. We can get so wrapped up in all of that that we lose track of the reason why. And we can become spiritually dead. It's very easy to happen. It, it can happen in any Christian's life. And I'm not giving an excuse to anyone. And I'm not giving a reason for anyone. I'm just saying that there are some things here that's pointed out in God's Word that we need to be aware of. And if we don't find ourselves in these places today, that's a good thing to praise God over. But it is something we need to be aware of so that we don't get in this spot. And if we do find ourselves in these things and in these places today, it is a warning for us to get right with God and get these things out of our heart, not let bitterness and anger and anything else, a jealousy, whatever it may be, don't let that thing build up in our heart and pull us down spiritually so that we become spiritually dead. That's what he's telling us. He's telling us if you're there, repent of it, and if you're not there, then learn and learn and grow from this so you don't get pulled into it. Five things from God's word this morning. Five things that we want to be aware of. First, in verse two, beginning in verse two, he says, be watchful. Be watchful. In other words, he's saying, wake up. He's telling the church to wake up and pay attention. There's no reason and there's no time to be indifferent. To be indifferent to the things of God. To be indifferent to the Word of God. We get frustrated. Christians can get frustrated. Christians can get aggravated. Christians can get pulled down and get torn down into the things of this world. Circumstances, situations, Satan and his, and his temptations and his trials, Satan can 
pull us down. He can pull us so far down that we actually begin to say, okay, if this is what you want, I'll fight you on your terms. And that's a mistake that we make. When we want to fight Satan on his terms and we want to meet him on his ground, we're moving into a place where we're going to find defeat. And we will become indifferent. There will be things in our lives that will come up and will hurt us so deeply. And they will hurt us so badly that we will want revenge. And that's a natural thing. We will want revenge. When, when the Lord says be watchful, He's talking about inwardly. Be watching inwardly so as not to get drawn into these things and become so overwhelmed by them that we begin behaving like the enemy and not like the Christ that indwells us. And if you're a Christian this morning, if you're saved, and you remember a time in your life when you gave your heart to Jesus, you are indwelt this morning with Christ through the Holy Spirit. And He wants to work in that. And He wants to work through you. But you can't be indifferent. You've got to be watchful. What happened in Sardis was the people no longer became watchful. They became indifferent to the moving of the Holy Spirit. They became indifferent to everything that was working around them. They become desensitized to it. When we think about that, we can look at the world around us this morning. We can look at all of the hurt. We can look at all of the sickness. We can look at all of the agony. We can ex- go through our heart, our experiences. And through those experiences, we can become so hardened and become desensitized to them that we no longer cry about sin. We no longer cry over people, others being hurt. We become hardened to those things. Those are the things that the Lord says to be watchful over and to avoid that indifference because that indifference will lead us into a path of just going through motions of things we are supposed to do and not doing them from the heart. And that's what Christ has saved us for. He's given us a new life and He has changed us from the inside out. So our outward works should match our inward heart. Not any type of indifference. Second, again in verse 2, we see Him saying, Strengthen the things which remain. So there may be problems, but there are good still there. Good is still there. Holiness, righteousness, godliness is still in the hearts of that church. It has not drawn everyone away. Likewise, in the heart of a believer who is struggling with things today, we may be desensitized in some things, but there are other things that we are still sensitive in. And he tells us to begin the process 
by strengthening those things that we're still sensitive to. Begin by strengthening, prayerfully looking at our own lives. Be honest with ourselves. Be honest with ourselves. And say, God, I'm not where I need to be on this and this and this, but I still have, I still have some sensitivity in this area, this area, this area. It may be that because of circumstances in your life, you've become hardened toward other people or other circumstances or, or other situations that you've been through and because of those they made you hard to things. But other situations, other people, other conditions, you're still very sensitive to. And the Bible tells us to strengthen those things. Focus on them. Ask God to take those things that are still good and true and pure in our hearts, things that haven't been injured, and to strengthen them. And from those, we begin a healing process. You see, that's where this is going. If you want to know the end of the story, this is where, that's where this is going. It is going to, it is through a personal healing process. These folks in Sardis had become so damaged. They'd become so injured. They'd become so desensitized by things. They were going through the outward motions of doing the right things, but their heart wasn't for the right reasons. And because of that, the Lord says it's time to heal. Time to, it's time to take an evaluation of ourselves. It's time to look and start by strengthening those things that are still good and honestly looking at the others and coming to God to fix the other things. And this is a message that's not just for you, for, you, for anyone in particular. It's for all of us. It works in my life. It works in Lori's life as well. It works in anyone that's listening because we've all have, have had our life experiences. And we all have struggled in areas where we've become desensitized toward other people or toward other circumstances or situations. And we have those other things that we're still very sensitive to. And I will tell you, I'll be honest with you, working in the prison system and going in there every day and seeing and dealing with the people that are in there, some of the, the majority of the inmate population that are in there, it's very easy to become desensitized to people. I have found myself in that role many times. How many vile, vulgar names do you have to be called during the course of a day, every day, five days a week, before you begin, become and begin to become bitter? How many threats do you have to endure before you become bitter? Other things that I won't begin to go into detail with. But yes, I found myself in that spot. And I have had to come from that 
to understand what it means to love people even when they can't love themselves. And that's another lesson that we're getting out of this message this morning. Jesus is telling us to look inside of ourselves, see what is damaged, see what is injured, take an evaluation of it, strengthen those things that are there and those things that aren't, find a plead to Him, find those and lay those at His feet and have Him move into our heart and get us back where we need to be with Him. Learn to love people even when they can't love themselves. Because if they can't love themselves, they can't love others. If they can't love themselves and they can't, if they don't have the love of God in their life and they can't love themselves uh, through that and have God love them, then they can't love others either. Learn to love them in spite of that. That's what Jesus is telling Sardis. Then we move down to the third point in verse 3. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard. Remember, remember what you've seen. Remember what you've heard. Remember what God's Word has shown you and remember the good that you have seen in others that's been exampled before you. Do you realize that you as a group of people have the greatest influence on one another that each of you have in your lives? It comes within this group of people right here. Because you can example Christ to each other on a daily basis. Just like a family. In many ways, you are a family. Whether you're related by blood or not, you are a family. And through that, you can example Christ to one another. So remember what you've heard. Remember what you have seen. Remember the good. Remember the godliness, the holiness. Yes, we all see a lot of ugly stuff in the course of a day. We all do. We all hear a lot of ugly things during the course of a day. Don't dwell on those. Don't dwell on them. Someone that you love dearly says something ugly, has a bad moment, Instead of dwelling and remembering that bad moment, remember the good about them and help them get through that bad moment. Love them through it. And if you have a bad moment, love yourself through it. Remember that good that comes from the Word of God. Remember that good that is present in your heart and in your life where God wants to move and God wants to work. He is telling Sardis, you've, you've had, you've got your problems. You have let things get in your life that has come between me and you. Now, let's identify those things and let's get them out of the way and let's get back to where we need to be. Let's get back in this relationship with me where you need to be. And that's what he's telling all of us today as well. 
That's what he's telling the church. And when he says the church, again, he's not talking about a building, a brick and mortar building with a steeple. He's talking about people. He is talking about born again believers. Regardless of what denomination they go to, regardless of color, regardless of creed, regardless of nationality, he's talking about those who are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We have each other. These seven messages, they're called the seven messages to the seven churches. You notice he's not giving them to the world. He's giving them to those who are saved by his grace. He is giving them to those who he knows personally. And if you're saved this morning, it's a message that comes to you because He knows you personally. He has that personal relationship with you. So remember, remember the good things of God. The good things of God that you see in other people. The good things of God that you hear from His Word. The good things of God that apply to the born-again believer. The Lord is not forsaking anyone. The Lord is passing judgment because He must pass judgment. But at the same time, He's doing it with a warning of repent. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. We all know there are consequences to our actions. We know that. We're all adults. And because of that, Decisions that we make have consequences. Sometimes they are lifelong consequences. That's what I tell men in prison. When they're talking to me, they will call me to pastor. Pray for me. Pray for, pray for me that God will, that God will intervene and He'll get me out of prison. I say, I'll be glad to remember you in prayer. And we will talk. And in that conversation, I will bring up a reminder that our actions have consequences. And while God will forgive you spiritually of anything and everything that you may have done, the consequences of those actions are still yours to bear. And if you're guilty of the crime that you're committed, that you've been put in here for, and most of them are, regardless of what they say, they will all tell you that they're innocent because they believe it. And that's not, you know, that, that's a human nature thing. But I, I, I will mention to them about the consequences and they will look at me, most of them, nine times out of ten. I had this conversation with my oldest grandson late last week and we were talking about consequences and we were talking about things, of, uh, things at school and consequences of things. And I'll tell him, I said, son, I said, every day I talk to young men, men in their 20s and 30s, who are going to be spending the rest of their life in prison because of a bad decision. Men who have served honorably in the military, overseas in the Iraq war, will spend the rest of their lives in prison because of a bad decision. 
One night they went to a party and they took a bad, they took too much of a bad drug. And it went the wrong way with them and somebody got killed. They had too much to drink and they got behind the wheel of a car and somebody got killed. They had too much to drink, too many drugs, too much of an emotional thing and the breakup that happened between them and their wife or them and their girlfriend, all the emotions got in the way and he saw her and her new fella and he had to run him down and he had to confront that man and somebody died. Those are all examples of real stories that I've been told. And these were by men who previously had no criminal record. Bad decisions have consequences. And we can't get around those. But regardless of what those consequences and those decisions were in our life, Jesus forgives the sin that got us there. Remember those things that you have received. If you this morning sit here and you're thinking about consequences that you're going through right now because of decisions you've made, yes, you've got those. I have those in my life. Lori has those in her life. But praise God, this morning we've got Jesus whom we have received forgiveness of those sins through and we may have to deal with the consequences but because of Jesus we can deal with them in the right way. We can deal with them and understand the love of Christ in our life. We can understand and realize that whatever those bad circumstances were, whatever these consequences are, God can use them to bring us closer to Him through His Son Jesus Christ and use these circumstances and situations to help us help others get closer to Christ too. Got to move on. Not only is there remember, but there is hold fast. Again in verse 3. Hold fast to things that are biblical. Hold fast to the Word of God. There's a lot of things. It means to cling to. That word hold fast. One word in the Greek. And it means to cling to. To, to, to take a hold of it like you're holding on to a, to a life, to a lifeline that's been thrown to you from a ship and you're in the water drowning. Hold fast to it. So what are we going to hold fast to in life? What are we going to cling to in life? We can cling to a lot of things. There are people today that are clinging to alcohol and drugs. People who are clinging to pornography. People who are clinging to everything, to all kinds of dishonesty and unfaithfulness and immorality and all kinds of things in life. They are holding fast to things of the world is what we call them. They are holding fast to those things 
And it's like having a line thrown to you and you're pulling a rope, but the other end of it isn't tied to anything. You're just constantly pulling on that rope and pulling on it and pulling on it and eventually you run into the end of it and you're left. You realize you've been on your own the whole time. But then today also, we have to realize we can hold fast to Christ. We can literally hold fast to Jesus Christ. We can cling to Him. We have people today who are clinging to and holding fast to religion also. We've got to be careful about that. It's very easy to get wrapped up in religion. It's very easy to get wrapped up in it and it's very easy to get in, get pulled into a series of things that we do. Because we're told these are the right things, we do them without giving any more thought to them. And we start holding on to these processes, to ceremonies, to rituals, to things like that. We hold on to them. We cling to them and we hold fast to them. And again, it's just like that rope that's not tied off on the other end. Eventually, we find that loose end and it's not connected to anything. Nothing. We realize we've had no hope. But when we cling to Jesus, He is anchored. He is anchored in heaven. He is anchored at the right hand of God where He sits daily, moment by moment, making intercession for those who believe in Him. I don't know about you today, but that's what I want to be holding on to. That's what I want to be clinging to. Something that uh, I want a lifeline that's going to be connected on the other end. I want a lifeline that I'm going to have a direct line to the Lord and to heaven. I want a lifeline that's going to be there when when I feel like I'm sinking and I'm drowning and the storms of life are putting the waves in my face and the water in my face and I feel like I'm about to go under. I can grab hold and cling on tighter to that lifeline. And Jesus is there helping me. He says to hold fast, hold fast to Him. Hold fast to Him. Yes, we need to worship. Yes, we need to fellowship. Yes, we need all of that in a corporate and in a, in a group setting. We need all of that in every way, shape, form, or fashion that we can imagine. We need all of it. But we also need it anchored in that personal relationship with Christ. And that's what he's telling Sardis and the church there. Let go of those other ropes. Take hold of Christ. Take hold of the rope that goes to Jesus. And last, he says repent. He ends with repent. And I've shared with you before. Repent. I believe, in my opinion, repent is the most beautiful word in the Scriptures. It really is. Because it lets us know 
that regardless of where we're at in our relationship with God, we can always get closer. And when that door is always open to get closer, we have to confess some faults and failures. We have to praise Him for some greatness that He has shown in our lives and grace that He has given and love that He has shown. And in doing so, we repent. And we get that closeness. That maybe closeness that we never thought was possible. Maybe we, we go through life. Have you ever gone through life and you've ever looked at someone that was close to God and you thought, man, I wish that I could get where they are. Have you ever been there? I have. It's available. I found out it's available. There's nobody keeping me from being as close to God as He wants me to be except me. And there's nobody keeping you from being as close to God as God wants to be to you except you. God's not moved. God hasn't gone anywhere. God is still right there on the throne waiting. It's a matter of how close do we want to get? How close are we ready to be to Him? Are we really ready to get that close to Him? Is the closeness that we see others? If we are, all it takes is repentance. All it takes is repentance. All it takes is to go back and to be watchful. To strengthen those good things and use those to move forward with. To remember what we have received and what we have heard and used it and use it as a ladder to climb up those strong points and get to those things that we have examined within ourselves and get over those things. Hold fast to Christ. That's what repentance gets. He says to remember if we don't watch, if we don't follow, Jesus says He will come as a thief and we won't know what hour. That's not a threat. That's a promise. Jesus is coming into every one of our lives. There will be a moment where we will be called in front of Christ. How we will lay down these bodies. This life will end. For some of us it will end young and for some of us it will end older in life. But it will end. And when it does end, we will stand before the Lord. Now that's a sobering thought. If we have to stand before the Lord right now, today, just in a few moments, in the spiritual condition that we're in right now with Him, what would he have to say? Now I do want to clear up something. When we come down, we're talking about he that overcomes will be clothed in white raiment. That white raiment is a picture of holiness. White is a picture, is a color of holiness. 
So those that look at these things that's just been talked about, those that are those that repent of them, those that move forward with them, those that overcome the temptations and the struggles and the stumbling blocks of life that Satan puts before us are going to be rewarded and found with holiness. They will have that white raiment. He says, I will not blot out his name of the book of life. That often gets misinterpreted as someone losing their salvation. And I want to point out to you the difference in that. Later in the book of Revelation, chapter 21-22, we're going to see the great white throne judgment. And in that great white throne judgment, there's going to be a book opened. And it is going to be called the Lamb's Book of Life. And everyone who has been saved, their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That is not this book. This is the Book of Life. Not the Lamb's Book of Life. The Book of Life is the names of every person that has ever lived. It is the names of the people who have lived, those who have been born. So what Jesus is saying is your name will not be blotted out of the book of life or your life will not be cut short because of unrepentant sin. Your name, your life will not be cut short because of the consequences that we talked about earlier. Remember the consequences of the actions we talked about? The drug abuse, the alcohol abuse, the violence, and all of the other things that came out of it. Those things that go unrepented cut short people's lives. Even the lives of Christians who go to that point in life where they start pushing away from God and they push so far and so far, their salvation may not be taken. Their salvation won't be affected. But their lives may be shortened because of the consequences of the things they get themselves involved in. When someone gets involved, Christian or not, gets involved in sexual immorality, for example, and they contract HIV, HIV turns into AIDS. AIDS shortens your life. Jesus gave the people of Sardis and you and I this letter to wake up the church. He gave it to us to wake us up so that we realize that our outward appearance needs to reflect an inward heart. We may do the right things on the outside, but do we do them for the right reason on the inside? Are they coming from our heart? That's what it boils down to. For those of us 
who strive to do this. And this is not something that is one time and done. It's not something that we accomplish and then we can say, okay, I can check this off the list. This is a daily thing. This is a daily work inside of our lives. Every morning when we wake up, we may start the day with the best of intentions and when we end that day, we may look back and we may think, boy, I've really made a mess out of this one. And we repent. And we repent. And tomorrow, we look back at today, at the day before, and we say, I don't want to make those same mistakes again. So we learn from them. God's closing word is, those that overcome, I will confess His name before my Father and before His angels. Another promise. Another promise from God's Word. Christ says, those that continue to strive in their life for the holiness and for the work that He puts out there, for the obedience that He has in His Word, those that continue to work and improve in their lives, in the end, that will be rewarded but those who choose to ignore it and walk away from it and discount it, that too will have a reward in the end or a judgment in the end. So it comes down to the final verse, verse 6. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are we willing to listen? Again, he asks the question, are we willing to listen? to what the Spirit says. I pray and I, my, my thoughts and my prayers are that this message reaches hearts and lives this morning, that it encourages you, that it encourages you as you move forward in life, that it gives you some steps to move forward with, and that it makes you, it makes you realize also that you're not alone. That others have walked these same paths before. I for one have walked them. I know what a blessing it is to find that repentance. And I know what a conviction it is to go through life needing it. And with that this morning, I want to close in prayer. And say that if anyone has anything to talk about, maybe you're not saved this morning and you'd like to be, you'd like to know more about that before we leave. Just talk to me. We'll be glad to talk with you. Maybe you've got some other things that you'd like us to pray with you about. We're here for you. Let's close in prayer and we'll, we'll let God have His way in all of our lives. Heavenly Father, thank You for everything that You've done this morning. Thank You for Your Spirit moving in this service. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll touch all of our hearts and lives, that you'll draw us closer to you. And Lord, I once again ask that you would bless these ladies and bless their families, their circumstances, their situations. Strengthen them, encourage them daily in your word and in their walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.